Uh, hello all and welcome to what is the first episode in the first series of the Mindside Performance Podcast with myself, Robert Seaborn. And with me, James Morhem. So in this episode, we had the pleasure of speaking with Brad Dwyer, who's a professional rugby league player from Leeds Rhinos. And an area that we dive into is the anxiety and the battles that Brad have, has had through his career with his birthmark, but also how that's changed his behaviour over time. And for me, Rob, an area that I found really interesting was Brad's time at Warrington Wolves, where I was working with him as his performance nutritionist. And actually, on the face of it, he was dealing with everything okay and really well. But what we're uncovering this episode is behind the scenes, he was struggling with it quite a lot. Yeah, it was a really, really interesting um, and enlightening part of the chat we had with Brad. And I think the bit that I found just as interesting was the way in which he's now managed to learn and utilise the power of kind of reflection to work through the struggles that he's gone through and perhaps is still going through. Um, and you'll hear more about this as you listen on in the episode. So for now, kick back and enjoy the very first chat in the Mindside Performance Podcast with me, James and Brad Dwyer. They've reached tackle number five, they're 40 metres out. So will they go for it? He does, he does, he does, he's kicked it! What an amazing goal kick from Brad Dwyer! Well, look at the relief from David Ferner. Look at the relief on the terraces, and he can't believe it was Brad Dwyer. That's not in the coaching manual, but Brad Dwyer suddenly, and look at them, look at Oletsky. There's the drop goal king himself, Kevin Sinfield. That scraped over the bar. Brad Dwyer, I don't know how many he scored in his career. They won't get much more. Welcome all, this is our first podcast, and we're delighted to be joined... Um, by Brad Dwyer, pro rugby league player, um, who's taken up the mantle of being our first guest on the podcast. So me and James are just going to be speaking with Brad a bit about his uh, kind of career, life, and a few uh, obstacles he's had on the way, and, and just speaking really kind of candidly about all of that. So Brad, we're delighted to have you with us. Uh, thanks for coming on board. How are you, how are you doing? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me. Um, pleasure to get on, and obviously I've worked with James before so it's good to catch up yeah. with him um, and doing things like this is, is really good for me so when he asked me I was really excited and let's hope there's more than just one. So um, Brad for the people out there who don't know um, a bit about you and your career and whatever are you able just to give a very short synopsis of you know your, your career up to, to where you are now? Uh, yeah I'll do my best um, <laughs> so I'm from Wigan uh, and rugby league's massive in Wigan so I've played it all my life since I was four year old uh, lucky enough, enough to go professional at uh, 16 years old with Warrington Wolves, uh, where I did, I think, six years at Warrington Wolves full-time. Uh, debuted there. Um, and then I moved on to Leeds Rhinos, uh, where I've been there for three years now, and that's led me up to the, the point of this year. And you, um, along the way, you um, you got involved in a charity looking at um, birthmarks. Uh, am I correct, yeah? Yeah, yeah and, um, um, so... Yeah. Straight in, John. Straight in with the tough stuff. Yeah, go, go on, because it's it's really interesting the fact that you um, kind of had like this birthmark from obviously a young age, but you're now kind of proactively doing something about you know promoting it and the awareness of everything. And I think that's the bit that obviously me and me and James or 
rodders as you call him are uh, yeah. particularly interested in and because and it's it's really admirable uh, yeah so I, di- I didn't really know much I just I knew I, I had a birthmark um, I never really thought much of it I never thought it was an issue I, I knew I didn't like it mm-hmm. um, and I got to 25 years old um, obviously playing a professional career uh, I was really successful I'd just bought my first house I was in a great relationship mm-hmm. at the time uh, but looking back now and having some counselling and, and we back and I was depressed without knowing it. Uh, I remember a moment where I sat down with my dad and he was asking me what's up with you uh, mm. and I broke down. I just said, I, I honestly, I don't know how I can tell you anything's up with me if I don't know what is wrong with me. Um, that wasn't that I was in denial that I wasn't down. I knew I was down, but I didn't know the reason. Yeah. So then when I reflected in counselling about a year later, I knew, I then looked back and thought I was depressed at that moment. That's classic case of depression, not knowing why you're down. Um, but what happened was there was a, um, a light bulb moment you'd probably say where I went through a relationship breakup I was really down um, I had a big night out on, on the booze and the day after obviously you suffer anxiety the day I get what yeah. they call the boozy blues um, so I had that really bad and this was around the time that I, I was going through this breakup um, and I was getting suicidal thoughts that day uh, nothing and this is why I speak about the suicidal thoughts is because I wasn't going to go and kill myself there was no danger of that I yeah. knew for a fact uh, but things kept popping in as if it was like an easy option mm. uh, and it didn't sit well with me really I thought I need to get help and luckily enough at Leeds Rhinos we've got a player welfare manager called uh, we call him Fats he's called Nigel yeah. Johnson um, and I've got a good relationship with him so I rang him up on a Sunday morning and he came to the rescue came round we had a good chat, I broke down, and that was the moment where I started getting counselling without yeah. really knowing it. Um, so at that point, I just wanted to sort the relationship that I was in. I wanted to get that problem solved, and that's all it was. But Fat started digging deep into my childhood, my family, uh, my career, and through that we figured out that all the reasons that I was depressed and unhappy probably resorted back to my birthmark. Mm. So that's when we started digging into a lot of things that I'd been through and, and a lot of my mindset, really. Yeah. yeah. Nice, Brad. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to know, because I, I worked with you for two seasons, mate, and yeah. listening to you talk there, were, were there moments in that 2018-2017 season where you know you were you were actively going through this? Uh, yeah, and it'll be, it, this will be good, brothers, because you will see me with this mask on, um, and, and you can back what, what I'm saying up. So through my birthmark and what I figured out is there was two things, like coping mechanisms that I came up with, um, because I didn't like my birthmark, I disliked it. So what I was from a young age, I was I got bullied. Um, and from that, I, I, I seem to think now that it was, right, I'm going to be Brad Dwyer who's successful with sport or is good at sport because you get praise and it, everyone wants to wants to be surrounded by you. Mm. So instead of it being Brad Dwyer with a birthmark, it was Brad Dwyer who, who was good at sport or played well at the weekend playing rugby. Um, also, I, I created a humour, which is the side that you'll see, Rodders, where there was no let-off with me. It was I was the first one in. I, I would take the... Are we allowed to swear or not? I don't yeah, know. yeah, I, go on. I, um, I'd take the piss out of you before you could take the piss out of me, really. And, yeah. and you'll have witnessed that first-hand, Rodders. Um, and it... it it created good things in both sides of that because I don't think I'd have been a professional rugby player if I wasn't as motivated 
or as driven to be successful in sport. Um, obviously, there's some some things that are natural that have helped me in that way, but Rodders will tell you I'm not the tallest, I'm not the biggest. Um, so the, the determined side of my attitude and my mentality have probably got me where I am, which I 100% leads down to diversity I face with my yeah. birthmark so to cover it up really you're saying is because you had this birthmark you channeled all of that energy into something else which was sport yep. or which was kind of like your character your humor and because yep. of that those two two things your humor and your sport kind of reap rewards out of it um yeah which is really really interesting yeah there is that um like it's, it's everything that you, with mindset and stuff like that, it, I don't believe it's black and white. Mm. I don't think it's good or bad. Um, like I said, Rodders will have seen me and the relationship Rodders will have. Rodders will have been in a situation where he's like, oh, dog's at it again here. Dog's at it again. And, and until I got to that point at 25 year old and I reflected on the type of person I was and realising that I didn't have to take the piss out of people for mm. people to like me but, and, and just be myself, really. So it was just getting the balance right, really. Um, yeah. And also, it's great that the, it gave me the drive to be a professional sportsman and it, and it gave me the characteristic to be nice, a good person, a fun person to be around with my humour. But what it did is it covered my birthmark. I never yeah. thought I had an issue with it until I realised that all the success in the world, the nice house, the nice girlfriend, decent money, that wasn't fulfilling me. And I was always seeking something more and more and more because I wasn't happy myself. Yeah. Sorry, I've gone off. Have you still got me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, like I say, it, it just masked the issues that I hadn't dealt with my birthmark, um, which then took a breakdown moment at 25 year old to then start dealing with it. Mm. And and the thing that it probably did, and we go back to the the way I was with people, it made me start reflecting on my feelings and my actions and what I was doing, and and there being a reason for it instead of just floating through life and, and not understanding what I was doing. Yeah. So just going back there, mate, where you um you called up that member of Leeds staff oh. on that Sunday and he came round to your house. What what was your initial or acute reaction to that that moment where I mean you said you broke down and it sounds yeah. like that was your moment where you just let the steam off. What 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 was that moment like? Um yeah it was just full of anxiety. That was that was the hardest thing. I couldn't see past the anxiety. So even within the 24 hours of once that alcohol had wore off, which is a good message really to realise that, that that's your reaction from alcohol can, can affect yeah, your mindset yeah, as well. Yeah. Uh, once that, it, everything became a lot easier, definitely. I was still struggling because I still went to see Fats for months after. Um, I saw him for months after um, and we, we, we had counselling. It wasn't called counselling because he, he was just someone I had at work, so I went and seen him to have a conversation. Um, but it was counselling. Um, so gradually it got better. Um, gradually I had more of a focus on myself rather than fixing the exterior. So for that example was the relationship or trying to make something outside make me feel better. We started highlighting that it was it was something within, within yeah. me, really. And then facts came up with... Oh, no, it wasn't. It was... Bali, really. It, I went to Bali at the end, at the end of that year. Um, stumbled upon it. A couple of mates were going. I was free to go, so I booked a couple of days before we went. And uh, Rodders will know is I'm a Wigan lad. We, it's like a fishbowl. We like certain types of food. We, we speak the same way. And then anywhere 
away from Wigan, it, or Tenerife, it's like Tenerife's Wigan away from Wigan. <laughs> so other than that, you're out your comfort zone and you don't do it. So when I went to Bali, um, and I'd had a couple of months of this counselling and trying to get, get myself right, and I looked into getting my birthmark removed. So up until this point, I was going to get my birthmark removed. And we, I text facts from Bali. I think I went on the swing, you know, the Instagram swing that you see everyone. And I'm scared of heights. Um, so I went on that swing and I just had a bit of a, a lightbulb moment where it was like, I need to deal with this birthmark. It doesn't matter if I get rid of this birthmark mm. or not. The characteristics that's created in me are still going to be there. So if I get it away, I'm just going to find something else. Plus, it was difficult with my job to get the birthmark removed. Um, so I, I luckily enough had this brain, uh, this moment, and I text Fats, and I was just going to put a post on Instagram just so if I thought if everyone's seen this birthmark, um, I don't need to worry or limit myself from going yeah. putting myself out there in future and meeting new people or different opportunities. Um, and Fats came up with a great idea to get involved with the charity that you spoke about, the Birthmark yeah. Sport Group. Yeah. Um, and do it publicly and try and get some, uh, give them something as well. Whereas for me, it was a selfish reason. It was, I need to be public about this so I don't worry about it anymore in future. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hope you don't mind um, me saying it, mate. I, I remember days at a club, actually, where people, you know, they would name your birthmark. Um, and I, I remember people calling, you know, calling it out and, and, and your reactions and, you know, I, I reflect back now and I look at that and I think, Christ, that, you know, that was a period in your life where you were probably struggling with it and people were putting fuel on the fire. And no wonder you reacted sometimes the way that you did, you know, offering them out on the mats to have a wrestle. And <laughs> I vividly remember it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't go on the mats anymore. I don't, I don't, I'm not, the alpha male needs to prove myself. I think I've done that. Um, but yeah, mate, you're right. But I don't blame anyone else. Um, mate, I see it. I was just as bad as anyone. I was mm. just as bad as anyone. And if anything, that just shows you the culture that we've probably got in rugby is it's literally you've got to go at someone else. You've got to find weaknesses in people. Uh, you've got to break them down before you you get stronger. It's, it's crazy, really. Um, Do you, but I, it was an issue within myself mm. that I wasn't happy with it in myself. Yeah. Um, and I always took the point of I can't say something about someone else. And then cry, cry because someone's taking the piss out of my birthmark. Um, it's just a bit rarer. So I'd call someone's nose or ears or whatever. They'd call my birthmark. I saw it exactly the same. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really hold any grudges against anyone. It was something that I needed to deal with, and it took a, a moment for, for it to come into my mind and me to do that. So you said then that you had that kind of light bulb moment, basically. When um, looking back now, how long ago was it that you went to Bali and you had that little epiphany? Oh, it was two years ago. Yeah, it was so two years ago. Looking back now, then that before you had that little moment, then that little light bulb thing that went off. Um, so probably two years onwards, like two, three, four, five years ago. How do you think you coped with everything that was going on then? So you you talk a lot about kind of almost shying away from confronting it by using humour. And by using your yeah, athleticism and this kind of alpha maleness as like a shield almost. Um, it was that like the main way that you'd learned to deal with what was the anxiety and everything that was going on? Um, yeah, and I, I learned to reflect. 
that that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, for one example, is I used to go to the, the Bowie. The Bowie one is I I said that, and I never thought it would work. I never thought if I go get public about my birthmark. Yeah. I could never. I just thought I'll just do it, and I don't know. I still I still look back and I don't know why I went through with it. I think I just because he got the charity involved. I thought mm. I was just too deep into it. I had to do yeah, it, so yeah. it took me on that journey. But then once we did a while sitting down and writing everything that had gone on in my life about being bullied about struggling in, on watching myself back on TV um, the times at Warrington where there was, there was a lot of things said about it at Warrington so we went through that and then after about six months we had this story that we was going to go with um, and I was fortunate enough to get the Daily Mail I think it was and Super League did a feature on it and the, the Super League feature went massive mm. um, so then I think I was just too deep into it but a part of that was having to have pictures of my birthmark. So if I had a picture for rugby, which happens all the time, I'd tilt my head a tiny bit, unnoticeable to anyone else, but to me, I'd tilt my head because it's on my left-hand side. Uh, so I'd do that originally, and then the photographer said, oh, will you stand on your right-hand side? And I was like, oh, you just want a picture of my birthmark, don't you? And she went, yes, please. And that was a moment where I sat back and I went, yes, yeah, sweet, no worries. This is why we're doing it. Mm. And that was probably sitting back after that, I look back and I think, it's worked. Six months later on, I would never have done yeah. that. But what, what's happened over this period of time, I'm comfortable doing something. Also, I, I had a game. Um, I got man of, man of the match in a game and I was involved in this charity. And the first thing I came out without even thinking about was my birthmark. I said, the money's going to my birthmark, support groups, close to me. Um, and that was live on Sky without even thinking about yeah. it. And I sat back and it wasn't an issue. So I knew I'd come a long way then as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the main things, and you, you said you had a lot of time to reflect, and I, uh, Morhen sent me over a, an interview you did a couple of weeks ago or something, where you said you used to go out walking quite a lot and just use that time to kind of think things through and process things a lot and reflect on what was going on. Um, so it sounds as though using like kind of some form of reflective practice or just thinking and using time quite a lot has, has helped you massively yeah because i i didn't i just floated through life what yeah. my mood was so my mood my mood would rely on rugby and results really or a bit of gambling here and there if yeah. i won from a gamble a bit of gambling that'd give me a high if i lost it give me a, loot, a, a bit of a war same with the results on the weekend mm. um that would determine my mood for the week um so yeah reflection was was massive um, and a lot of that was on the birthmark which is an insecurity so anyone can relate to it like I said about someone who might have an insecurity about the nose about yeah. the hair colour yeah. about anything so that was that that I had to deal with but what came from that was, was loads of things um, the reflection on gratitude I, I did loads of work on gratitude yeah. with fats uh, and that was huge for me um, so yeah there was, there was all sorts that I started to reflect in because I was sat back looking at how things were making me feel and then I would think if that makes me feel better, if that helps me. So walking, for for instance, I like to go walking because I'll not sit on my couch looking through Instagram feeling shit about myself. Mm, yeah. I'll go walking and then what's the, what can you do? Like You can't look at your phone. So I'd, I'd be thinking about things, I'd be reflecting or I'd listen to a podcast. So that's why that was just creating the environment for me to reflect really. Yeah. Yeah. And just uh, thinking about what you what you did do and, and how you did handle it, um, is there anything you would change? Like, you know, sitting here looking back at, at how you handled that whole process, you know, do you wish that you 
got a grip of it earlier on or do you actually think going through this whole journey you have has, has been kind of really valuable? Uh, yeah, I don't think I'd change anything. People ask me now, do you wish you had your birthmark? Do you wish you don't have your birthmark? Um, Weeks-wise, I wish I didn't have my birthmark. I still don't like my birthmark. It still gets me down. still do TV programmes, look at it. I think, oh, I don't look great there. Um, but also, this came out from reflection from the interviews that I did from the Super League launch. I think I did 15 interviews in one day about it. And my interview got better and better and better as the day went on because I was reflecting for my interviews, yeah. similar to this. Uh, but I said, I said, I'm pretty fortunate, really, to be a professional rugby player for one, but said there's X amount of professional rugby players, say 500. So I'm one of 500 that play rugby league, but I'm the only one that can speak out about a buff mark. So I reflected and I thought, I'm pretty fortunate here. And um, so, yeah, I don't know if I'd change that, but there's things that I don't like about both sides of it, but it's got me to where I am, a 27-year-old who started reflecting to try and be a better person. Um, has done some things that I'm pretty fortunate to do. I'm a professional rugby player because of it. Um, but don't get me wrong, I'm still not perfect. I, the, the, the scale's tilted. So I went from being insecure and no confidence to all this attention through my birthmark to going really high with confidence mm. and getting a lot of attention left, right and centre to then trying to get a balance. Do you, do you know what I mean? Instead of being yeah. someone else that I didn't really want to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah. So it did tilt a bit. Um, so... The biggest learning curve that I take, and we've already spoke about it, is being grateful for what I've got um, and and the reflection because I've totally... So I've conquered the insecurity, but I also then got a bit of... I was getting attention left, right and centre. I wasn't I didn't, I didn't. wasn't doing things that I was proud of, the way I was treating people. Um, and my focus went more on attention than actually the gratitude, really. So I had to rein it in. So mm. the biggest thing that I've learned is to reflect all along because I think we're always improving every day or every month or whatever. That's class because um, that whole process of like reflection and looking back is something that nobody's ever really taught. Like you don't sit in school and your yeah. teachers tell you, you know, you look back and reflect on what you did and you change it, yeah. you adapt it and you make yourself better. Like you never really taught that. It only, yeah. it, you only ever learn it when something big happens and then hopefully you stumble upon it and you go, like there's loads of people out there who never get the chance to ever learn it just because they're not given the right sort of support or whatever. But if you do, not only can you use it, for example, like you have with your whole birthmark and the anxiety and whatever that's derived from that, but the whole process of reflecting and adapting or whatever can be used in so many different scenarios. That, yeah. Like you said, yeah, like you said, with how you treat other people, how they treat you, gratitude and all of that sort of stuff. So the 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 whole like so if do you think then because of the whole birthmark uh, scenario you've had do you think that's made you now a better person because of it and because you've managed to learn this process of like being able to reflect um, then yeah, yeah, if you I, hadn't I think had I'm it. a better version of myself yeah um, for, like I said that's just my form of adversity. Yeah, like you, like you, Rod. You speak about losing your dad and your, and your bit of adversity. I'm sure you've learned things about yourself that that you probably wouldn't have learned unless you've been through that. So it's like this isn't. Oh, Brad Dwyer's got a buff mark. Let, let's all feel sorry for him and, and well done for getting through. Everyone has some sort of adversity, whether it comes from grief, whether it comes from insecurity. Um, the thing is to try and learn from that, and yeah. it's okay me sat here saying because I've been through something. I'm not perfect, but 
it's hard for me saying, oh, learn from your think, but how do you do that? So we all sit here and we all say, oh, men, men, men can cry, men should go and talk. But why, is the re- why are we not talking? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Why are men not going talking? Is it because they're insecure? Is it because they've got no one to speak to? Um, so for me, you've got to reflect. You've got through adversity, you will get better. And, and it's okay telling yourself that. But the main tool for that, the main tool is actually speaking. Mm. Um, and to help people, if anyone's listening to this, I used to pull up in a coffee shop, ready to meet fats after God knows how many times I've seen him. And I'd sit there and think, why am I going to see this guy? He, he cannot solve all my problems. But then I didn't know, didn't know what I was going to go and speak about. But from an hour of going speaking to him, it, I was in a miles better mood. And eventually I got into a better place. But like I said, I was pulling up, not didn't have a clue what I would speak about. So I didn't have a list written down saying I've got these problems. So it was just a feeling. I knew I didn't feel right in myself. I had to go and speak. And I figured that out through doing that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's class, mate. It's, um, I think, uh, when, certainly when I was going through my own grief, I remember reading a, uh, a saying or a quote, and it was um, that rock bottom is a brilliant foundation to grow from because yep. it is rock bottom. Like, yeah, you can't get any lower. So the only way is up. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that's one thing I've held close to myself massively. Um, so in terms of like processes that you think you've learned, developed or refined as a consequence of going through this critical moment, like what, what would they be for you? Um, like, like I spoke about the gratitude's massive, um, being grateful for things is huge. And the way I worked on that was Fats was great. He, he described it as a toolkit. So he said, imagine you're a joiner, you go to work. You've got all these problems ahead of you. You need your hammer, you need your screwdriver, you need this to, to support you for that day. So you just wake up in the morning and you just go, right, I've got these in front of me. I need my gratitude, my empathy, reflection. I need all this. So people won't be the same as me. They'll need, they'll need different things, but you've got to figure that out, what you need in your toolkit. Um, and it's, it's okay. I'll speak about gratitude a bit because that was massive for me. Um, facts banged on for ages, mate, you preach gratitude, practice it. And I'm like, how do you practice it? I said, I'm happy I've got all my family. I'm happy there's been no deaths in my family. I'm happy I've got my career. I know how lucky I am. I'm still not happy, but it's not a feeling inside of me. It's I sit back and I think, oh, I'm lucky to play rugby. I know I am because there's 15,000 people watching on a weekend that would love to do what I'm doing. Yeah. But it wasn't a feeling inside of me. So he, he did the 21 days. So every day for 21 days, I had to wake up and write three things that I was grateful for. So I think I got halfway through the first time and I was like, Fats, I'm just writing down things that I'm grateful for and it's not making a di- Like, I'm, ra- I'm purposely writing them down. I'm not grateful for them. Mm. I just know I'm lucky to have them. And he was like, no, to crack on. So we started again. And by the end of the 21 days, it created this feeling inside of me where I would walk past a homeless man and I would think, I'm lucky to have my situation. You know what I mean? I'm lucky to have what I am. Or I would be in a situation where I'd be happy around my family, be having Sunday dinner, and I would sit there and I'd go, I'm okay to have what I, what I have. And that created a, a happy feeling in me. So I knew that must have been gratitude. Yeah. And then he said, if you follow that on now for another 21 days, carry on doing it, it then yeah. creates the empathy, which is the homeless situation that I spoke about. So I look to a homeless guy and I think, I know I'm fortunate and I feel for him in his situation 
Whereas normally I'd probably just walk past because it's the norm with yeah. how many homeless people you see. Um, so that was a, a activity that he made me do that then created gratitude for me and, and now I start appreciating things in my life that I probably took for granted yeah. in that depression period that I had. Yeah, so that's that's a whole kind of process of like reflecting on what you've got and, and drawing gratitude and, and then towards the end some empathy out of your whole situation and yeah being very grateful for where you are and what you've got basically and um using yeah that as a and if tool. anyone wants to get into that there's, there's a he showed me a video i think there's a video on youtube just just type in preaching gratitude practicing gratitude and it'll it'll tell you i think he explains about a school he went to work in in africa and kids were made up because they had running water and stuff like that and it makes you realize yeah um but that had a massive like you do think you're grateful like obviously it is so obvious i'm lucky the situation has I found myself in, but that wasn't reflected in my mood mm. until I created that inside me and changed my mindset. I suppose you get very used to being who you are, don't you? And the scenario you're in, you get very used to being a pro rugby player. You've done it for five, six, seven, eight years or whatever, and you get used to 15,000 people shouting your name and that being normal and, you know, having really, like, yeah. like all of the, the luxuries you get used to. So you kind of get drawn away from the basics of having your family around you and you know having a house and a roof yep. over your head and all that sort of stuff and it's only when you take a step back and reflect on it and look at it and realize how 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 grateful you can be with the scenario you're in that you truly appreciate it i suppose yeah and that that is the big thing and i think a lot of people certainly myself you can forget the mm. you're, you're a rugby player you're still a human being yeah. uh, you still have feelings um, so I can pass a ball, I can kick a ball, I can run around for 80 minutes, I'm in good shape. Um, but the actual challenges of life, of actually being happy, they're the real challenges that you've mm. got to work on. And, and that's even me, a rugby player. Um, yeah. So that just goes to most males. And I would imagine females, I'm not sure, because I'm not, not female. <laughs> okay, so last question then. If you So imagine you were chatting to yourself 10, 15 years ago or... A little, a little lad or a little girl who's got kind of a similar sort of scenario where it might not be a birthmark, but they've got some sort of anxiety derived from something, and they've got this long stretch ahead of them, like you had. Um, what's the number one like golden tip or rule or thing that you would encourage them to do to help them deal with with the scenario they're in? Yeah, I, I think I'd go back to reflect. As a word, I'd say reflection. Yeah, but. The way I'd speak about it is I'd just say, keep improving. Like, mm. I think we all search for perfect. I think we all search for perfect and we all search for being happy. Um, I think the big one is to just keep reflecting, keep improving. Um, instead of just going through a bad mood or a good mood, actually sit down and think, well, why was I like that? And then in future, you can create that and you know that that works for you. Um, instead of just floating through and letting mm. out, outside dramas or things that happen affect your mood whereas yeah. if you create that foundation inside that i'm happy i'm happy we've got what i've got then it doesn't matter they can only add to your experience really so yeah the, the thing i'd say is just reflect on what's making you feel bad what's making you feel good and uh go from there and, and each day you will then improve and and deal with be better at dealing with the dramas yeah so that's pretty sound advice <laughs> yeah I, um, these, this is why I like doing things like this, because this is me sat here 
thinking, I, I'm sat and I'm like, oh, that's good. Well, I need to start taking that advice. Uh, I need <laughs> yeah. to keep working on it. And, and it's not a constant, it's not a thing where, oh, I had that light bulb moment at 25 year old and now I'm a great person. I'm still changing. I'm still learning. I still make mistakes. I still get down. I just need to revert back to what has worked for me in the past. It's an ongoing thing that is going to go on for, I would imagine, the rest of my life. Hopefully, I'll just get better at dealing with it. Mate, that was class. Yeah, very, um, very open, wasn't he? And yeah, just just amazing to to see how. I mean, I, I worked with Dog for two years, and I reflect back now at the the times of you know going into the gym in the morning and and seeing him and others kind of take the mick out of each other and Dog's reactions, and and yeah, you just look at it and you think, wow, like. He's come a long way since then, mm. but what I liked about that, Rob, was you know how how he really understands it now. Yeah, and yeah. you know his ability to to speak about it, to reflect about it, to to understand the process, understand why he was acting like he he used to, and mm. and you know he said at the end towards the end there about how he still wrestles with that, and he still battles with it but he's um he's got those tools to to cope with it yeah. uh, i think we were, were we were lucky to have him on mate oh, definitely i think he talked right at the beginning like talking about the whole anxiety derived from his birthmark type of thing it he said it built a person that used he he, he hinted at it it built him to become a person who used attack as the best form of defense so he would he he said a couple of times that you know he'd get into the club and he'd start he wanted to be the first person to crack a joke or the first person to lay into someone um purely because he knew something was going to come back to him and he wanted to you know attack before before he had to defend and um I think when he was then talking about it coming to a head and he was in Bali and he he said he spoke to facts or whatever and he had that light bulb moment it it it's then where he started to, I think, reflect on everything. And he talked about reflection so much. Like, we didn't even have to prompt him at some point. So, like like you said, he's he's now clearly aware of where he was and where he is. And understands where the process is and where he wants to go. And he realises that that process of, like, reflection and learning about what he's reflecting on and how he was and what he was doing um it seems like he he understands that process a heck of a lot more and can look back and think you know i was using this form of attack purely because i was trying to hide away from this anxiety and something deeper within me that i didn't understand and i think that's for for a lad who's only 27 anyway it's pretty remarkable of a thing to be able to do being guest i think for the first one to kick it off a brilliant brilliant guest so Massive thanks to him, and I think anybody out there listening um, who who enjoyed it or who learned something from it or can resonate in any way, shape, or form, then please get in touch. Um, me and James will be happy to answer any cues or, or speak with you about it. Um, you can catch us on on Twitter or email addresses, um, and please like share and provide any form of rating and feedback for the podcast itself we're we're just starting up and any any support would be greatly appreciated 
Um, you can catch us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And um, yeah, we hope we hope you enjoyed it, and you tune in next time. <laughs>